What are the 10 words that can uplift our spirits in the midst of disability and suffering? Johnny Erickson Tata is our guest this week discussing how God rescued her from despair after a diving accident in 1967 left her a quadriplegic. It's all in episode 84 of the Church Leaders Podcast. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping you lead better every day. And now here's your host, podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, Andrew Hess. Well, thanks for tuning in to episode 84 of the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm Andrew Hess, your host, and this week we're talking with Johnny Erickson Tata. Johnny is the founder and CEO of Johnny and Friends International Disability Center. She's an international advocate for people with disabilities. After a diving accident in 1967, left her at the age of 17, a quadriplegic in a wheelchair uh, without the use of her hands. She spent the next two years rehabilitating and emerging with new skills and a fresh determination to help others in similar situations. On this interview, Johnny shares her best advice for pastors and ministry leaders on how we can minister to those with special needs in our congregations and also minister to their families. This is a very powerful interview and a very practical one. And now, here's our conversation with Johnny Erickson Tata. Johnny, it is such an honor to have you as our guest on the Church Leaders Podcast today. Thanks so much for being with us. Oh, it's good to be with you. And of course, uh, all the pastors and other Christian leaders listening in, I'm honored to be involved. Johnny, and so many of our our listeners know you, and you know they might, you know, introduce you as uh, by the disability that you've walked through for so many years. But I think it's much more appropriate to introduce you in terms of someone who has helped so many people walk through their own suffering. And so, talk to us about how God has used your life in kind of helping other people understand how to think about suffering. Oh, well, when I was first injured and uh, broke my neck in that diving accident and became a quadriplegic, when doctors told me that I would never have use of my hands or my legs, I just plummeted into depression and actually even suicidal despair. I was so discouraged, so distraught that this was now a permanent disability. But when I was in the hospital, uh, a couple of good Christian friends would come in and, well, they'd get pizza and Winchell's donuts and they'd bring teen magazines and the, you know, hot Winchell's donuts. And they they just treated me like a person. They treated me like a friend. And so that when they opened up their Bibles, I listened. And I'll never forget one one comment that this friend made. His name was Steve Estes. It was just 10 short little words, but it really altered my thinking. He said to me, Johnny... God permits what he hates to accomplish that which he loves. Um, He doesn't take any delight in your spinal cord injury. Actually, he allows all sorts of things he doesn't approve of, such as a a diving accident like yours. He takes no delight in arthritis, autism, migraine, headaches, back pain. He doesn't take delight in these things, but he permits them to accomplish something that he prizes even above your own physical disability, and that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And those 10 little words, God permits what he hates to accomplish that which he loves, has guided me through, wow, almost 50 years of being in this wheelchair as a quadriplegic. And it's the message I want to share with other people with disabilities, like me, people who are struggling against depression, discouraged, overwhelmed with the 24-7 nonstop routines, 
I want to uplift their spirits. I want to give them a biblical view on their disability. And of course, it starts with the idea that there's a sovereign God who permits what he hates to accomplish that which he loves. And he loves to see us lean hard into Jesus and develop perseverance, endurance, patience, self-control, compassion for others who hurt. And most of all, he loves to see the image of his own son shine through our smile. So that's pretty much the message that I love sharing um, in various ways and forms, and whether through speaking, writing, books, painting, um, the ministry of Johnny and Friends. It's all to help the world's disabled trust in a sovereign God who indeed cares for them. Mm, I love that. And I think a lot of people in our audience, a lot of the pastors, they are all are constantly thinking about how do I love the people in my life, in my ministry, who are who are going through something similar? What would you tell you know a pastor who comes to you and is like and feels inadequate to to minister to people that are are going through something? The best thing you can do as a pastor is to invite the mother and father of that special needs child into your study and bring along an elder or perhaps your Christian ed director, Sunday school teacher, and just have a sit down conversation with those parents of that special needs child and simply ask them, how can our church best support you? How can we serve you? We want to help you, but we don't know a lot about the particulars of your child's disability. Will you help us learn? Will you show us the way? Because we want to craft something here that will demonstrate to you and other families like yours that you're welcomed here. You're embraced here. I mean, that, that's a wonderful way for a pastor to approach a tough question about how to meet the, the needs of a child with, with uh, autism, let's say, in a Sunday school. You want to convey Christ's compassion. You don't want to say, as I have often heard at least two or three pastors say, Mr. and Mrs. Brown, we just aren't equipped to help you. Our church just does not have the resources to assist you and your family, especially with your child who has autism. We don't know how to handle it. So we just would like you to think about the possibility of worshiping elsewhere. We, we know of some good churches in the neighborhood who we think might be able to uh, welcome you into their congregations. A family doesn't want to hear that. A family doesn't want to be turned away. And there are answers. There are solutions. So for our pastor and Christian leader friends who are listening, um, and if you have questions about special needs outreach and all the particulars of how you uh, um, embrace families affected by disability, we at Johnny and Friends really want to help. We've got resources, we've got booklets, manuals, we've got testimonies, we've got uh, all kinds of summits and seminars that uh, you could attend or you could send your Christian ed director to, to attend. So uh, just connect with us at, on our church relation page at johnnyandfriends.org. That's J-O-N-I and friends.org. And we'll help you get started. Yeah, that's great. We'll link. We'll also link to that as well in the show notes for this episode. Uh, Johnny, I know that uh, you know you, you do provide so many great resources for those who are caregiving and taking care of people. Uh, and I know a new resource that you've recently released is the Beyond Suffering uh, Bible. Tell us about kind of where the idea for this Bible came from. Well, let me go back to my own testimony, because uh, I shared with our listening friends up at the top of the hour that 
um, I was pretty despairing, pretty depressed after my diving accident in which I broke my neck. And after I went home from the hospital, my depression evolved into a kind of suicidal despair. Every morning for nearly two weeks, almost three weeks, I would stay in bed. I would tell my sister to close the drapes, turn out the lights, shut my bedroom door, because I hated being paralyzed. But after a few weeks, I also hated the suffocation of self-pity. I, I realized, lying in bed there in the dark, that I could not, none of us can live with such hopelessness. And I finally cried out. I said, oh God, if I can't die, then please show me how to live. It, it was a very short prayer, but I, I think the Holy Spirit heard me because the next morning I got out of bed and I decided to face life. My sister pushed me to the to the living room in my wheelchair and situated me uh, underneath a music stand on which she set my Bible. And clenching a mouth stick between my teeth, I began turning the pages of God's Word. Now, I knew that the Bible contained answers for my plight, but man, I just didn't know where to look. But thankfully, God brought wise Christian friends, one of them I mentioned, his name was Steve Estes. Steve sat alongside me and helped me discover life-transforming principles and precepts. I found living bread for my hungry soul. And it's always been my heart's desire to help people like me um, who struggle. I want to be that Steve Estes. I want to be that wise Christian friend who comes along and provides guidance. And this is why I'm excited about the new Beyond Suffering Bible. It was designed by Johnny and Friends in partnership with Tyndale House Publishing. And it is designed to help the reader, especially those affected by disability, those who are overwhelmed by suffering. It's designed to help them grasp God's goodness amidst critical questions about suffering. And so we go into questions about miraculous healing. Why does God heal some and not others? Who sets the world's agenda? Is it the devil or is it God? Because, my goodness, there's so much evil and suffering out there. How do we find help for caregivers? What about parenting children with special needs? What about depression? How do you lift yourself up out of depression? So we put together this Bible, the Beyond Suffering Bible, because it is a fact, it seems, that many Christians wish they could erase the word suffering out of the dictionary. Today's culture of comfort and instant gratification has no patience for suffering. And I think that Christians have uh, bought into the cultural innuendo. Most of us want to drug suffering, escape suffering, divorce it, institutionalize it, surgically exercise it, do anything but actually live with it. Yet, as the Beyond Suffering Bible underscores, suffering might well be God's choicest tool in, in, in shaping the character of Jesus in us. And uh, that's the whole premise behind this, this new Bible, the Beyond Suffering Bible. I love it. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is, a lot of the, I think there's a lot of different understandings of, of how we process suffering, in, especially in the Christian life. What are some of the errors or kind of misunderstandings that people might have about suffering that, that you really hope this Bible addresses? Well, I mentioned a moment ago, God permits what he hates to accomplish that which he loves. Now, right there is a large view of God. It means that he's not embarrassed about suffering. He's not afraid to 
show the, quote, dirty laundry, so to speak. The Bible does not delicately tiptoe around the subject, uh, fearful to mention it. No, the, the Bible comes right out. And even in Exodus chapter 3, I believe it is, the Lord says, who, who made the blind? Who made the deaf? Who made those who cannot speak? Is it not I, the Lord, who does these things? Oh, my goodness. And then elsewhere in Isaiah, um, we hear God say, I am the one who creates calamity. I am the one who you know, creates light and darkness. And, and when you think about even the death of Jesus, look at that. God permitted what he hated to accomplish that which he loved. He permitted what he hated, the cruel, gruesome death of his own precious son, involving torture and murder and injustice and treason. Now, all of these things that led up to the cross of Christ, yet he permitted all of it because he prized, he treasured something far above the horrible death of his own son, Jesus. And, and what is it that he prized so much? Salvation for a world of sinners. Oh, my goodness. You know, the, the devil may have instigated the crucifixion with all that treason and injustice and murder and torture, but... God aborted those devilish schemes to serve his own ends and accomplish his own purposes. And what do you know? The world's worst murder becomes the world's only salvation. Now, right there is a pattern for the rest of us who suffer. Because we as Christians should never think of ourselves as above our master. God shares his joy, his peace his contentment on his own terms, and some of those terms call for us to, in some measure, suffer as his own son suffered, perhaps not in the degree or manner, but certainly in attitude. So we who suffer look to Christ and trust that the power that he secured through his death and resurrection is power that will enable us to embrace God in our suffering and discover him to be good. That's what helps me, always looking at Jesus, knowing that the Father was good. He was good in allowing his son to go to the cross because he knew it meant salvation for you, for me. And, uh, oh my goodness, what, what an expression of God's love for us. Mm. What joy. And that Jesus would do it, go through it all for us, is to me absolutely amazing grace. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know where I heard it, but I love that picture that Jesus knew the suffering that was coming, that a lot of times we don't see the suffering ahead of us, but he He knew the suffering that was coming and still embraced it. And you know, it should give us encouragement that the same Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane trembled, shuddered, was overwhelmed with the thought of the suffering that lay ahead of him. Oh my goodness, we've got a Savior who identifies with us, who resonates with us. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He gets it. He understands the, the horrors of suffering. You know, I, I can't begin to tell you how much that encourages me. Living with quadriplegia as long as I have, dealing daily with chronic pain, having recently battled stage three cancer, I am so grateful that I have a Savior who understands it, who gets it, who resonates with it, and who can provide power to help me go through it. That's amazing to me. Mm. Jenny, I recently heard you uh, sharing about how you applied the promises of God to a, a moment when you were feeling discouraged. 
And, and I just thought it was so powerful. Can you talk to us about how um, sometimes when you're feeling discouraged that you kind of apply the, the promises of God? <laughs> well, it was really very recently. Um, my husband, Ken, was uh, driving me to our headquarters at Johnny and Friends. We were driving down the 101 freeway. My girlfriends had got me up that morning dressed, sitting in the wheelchair. And uh, sometimes when I, when I start my day, oh my goodness, it is, it is overwhelming. My pain can be so bad in the morning. And certainly rumbling down the 101 freeway, where they were doing a little bit of construction in the slow lane, uh, made for a lot of extra bumps in the van. And, and I was feeling so deflated. I almost, almost asked my husband to turn the van around and let's go home, put me back to bed. But I can't live that way. I can't, I can't turn around and go back. I have to press on, as the Apostle Paul tells us, strive, reach ahead. And so a verse came to mind as we were driving from Psalm 119, verse 50, where it says, My comfort in suffering is this, your promises renew my life. And I thought to myself, okay, Lord Jesus, I'm just going to take you at your word, and I'm going to start, start reciting your promises, believing them, and trusting that you are going to revive my life. This will be my comfort. So here I go, Lord Jesus, you have promised that you'll not leave me nor forsake me. Lord God, you promised that you are my ever-present help in time of trouble. Lord God, you tell me that your grace is sufficient. Jesus, you promise that in the book of Judges, you will fight my battles for me. And I just kept going on and on and on. Um, Lord Jesus, you promised that if I cast my cares on you, you care for me. And, 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 And by the time I got to the headquarters of Johnny and Friends, my pain had not gone away, but I had courage. I had strength. I could rise to the occasion. I could show up for work and not turn around and go home and lay in bed. And to me, that was a victory. Just my attitude, just my perspective, just feeling the courage of Christ surge through my weakness was so wonderful. And to me, it was a reminder that God's power is best displayed through human weakness. And so it's why I boast in the affliction and delight in the infirmity and glory in the limitation, because then I know God's power rests on me. And that's, that's a good thing to remember when you're suffering. Mm, that is really powerful. I love the, the way you you're bring up so many scriptures. Are there scriptures that... You know, throughout your life, that you've gone to most often, that, that you feel are the most comforting to you. Well, certainly, um, I love First uh, Peter chapter two, verse twenty-one, um, where it says that um, Christ has suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in His steps. I, I love that that I can follow in the steps of Jesus and take up my cross daily and die to the sins that he died for on his cross. I can die to anxiety. I can die to doubts and fears. I can die to worrying about the future. I can die to discouragement and turn to God's promises. I can pick up my cross daily and die to those kinds of things, the things that he died for on my cross. And in that way, 
I become like him in his death, just like it says in Philippians chapter 3, uh, verses 8 to 10. I want to know the power of the resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. I want to become like him in his death. Not many people are naturally inclined to want to do that. And yet, that's where true life in Christ blossoms at the cross when we die to our sins. And so what does God do every single morning? He gives us a, I don't know, a heartache, a hardship, a deep disappointment, and it becomes a sheepdog that snaps at our heels and drives us down the road to Calvary where otherwise we would not be inclined to go, humanly speaking. So I'm grateful for the wheelchair. I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that this is the, the prison that has set me free. And uh, to me, those are the kinds of robust and rigorous thoughts that are so comforting. Mm. I think that a lot of people that are listening to this, um, you know, they might be thinking of somebody in their life that is, has gone through a significant suffering. And, and they, if they're honest, they feel guilty that they haven't had to suffer as much as somebody else. And it, it, it might even put like a distance between them in that relationship. What would you say to somebody who feels a little guilty that, that they just haven't had to suffer in their life? Well, if they haven't had to suffer much, then praise the Lord, what a blessing. And what are we supposed to do with blessings from God? We're supposed to pass them on. We're supposed to encourage those who are not as blessed as we are. So if I'm talking to some people today who feel, you know, gee, I, I'm, I feel a little guilty that I, I, I don't suffer like she does, well, say hallelujah, amen, and then find a way to make life easier for, for someone else whose circumstances are far more difficult than yours. I often tell that to people who are depressed. Um, I meet many people who are discouraged about their life circumstances. And, of course, prayer is a, a big remedy for depression because we wrestle not against the flesh and blood of migraine headaches and backaches and botched surgeries and kids gone wayward. No, we, we wrestle against powers and principalities who would love nothing more than to keep us thoroughly depressed in our circumstances. So prayer is a big ingredient to lifting the fog of depression. But there comes a time when I'll tell somebody, you know what? Get up tomorrow morning, take a shower, get dressed, open your front door, and go out into your community to find somebody who's hurting worse than you are and help them. Mm, I love help that. Help them. I love that. That's so, a way of passing on the blessing. And, and I think that's what God would have us to do in our communities. If we're not suffering, then find somebody else who is and make their life a little easier. Mm, I love that. I love that advice. And, uh, Johnny, we're, we're so excited about the ministry, and it's so inspiring to talk to you. Um, we will link to uh, where people can find the Beyond Suffering Bible. Um, but it, if there was one thing that you hope this Bible can accomplish for people that, uh, that receive it, what would, that, what would that be? Oh, my goodness. That's a tough question. Well, I'm, I'm thinking of, of the prophet Samuel, who, when the Israelites gained victory over the Philistines, he set up an Ebenezer, and he said, thus far the Lord has helped me. I hope people will grab their Bibles, whether it's a Beyond Suffering Bible or whatever special edition of God's Word you might have. And I hope when they're hurting, 
they will grab that Bible by the binder, hold it high, and say, Thus far, the Lord has helped me. And I have every confidence that because he has done so, he will help me in the future. Let's start living out what we actually believe about the Word of God. And the Beyond Suffering Bible is filled with all kinds of resources, all kinds of profiles, commentaries, all kinds of uh, connection points and study aids that can really help the reader grab a biblical worldview on their own affliction and the goodness of God. So I want to thank you for letting me talk so much about the Beyond Suffering Bible. It is indeed a lifetime achievement for me, and I was so honored when Tyndale asked that I would be its general editor. Not that I have uh, a lot of master's degrees behind my name, no way, but what I do have is under my belt a lot of hardship through many, many years of affliction, and I trust that this Bible not only conveys a high view of God in the midst of suffering, but this Bible will be a wellspring of hope and encouragement to all those who open it up. Mm. Well, at Church Leaders, we're really excited to let our audience know about it, and we think it's going to bless a lot of people. So thank you so much for taking time to share with us today, and uh, may God continue to bless your, your ministry. Absolutely, and may God's favor shine on the ministries of all those who are listening in right now. Well, thanks again to Johnny Erickson Tata for joining us this week as our special guest on the Church Leaders Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, take a few minutes to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, and consider sending this episode to somebody you know who might benefit from listening to it. Also, be sure to download the show notes for this episode and every episode at churchleaders.com forward slash podcast. In the show notes, we always include resources mentioned in the show and links to some of our guest top content on churchleaders.com. As always, if you have ideas for how we can improve this podcast or guests that you'd love to hear us talk to, email us directly at podcast at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website, churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.